Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. Hello everyone and welcome to the, I don't know, entertainment edition of Sub and Countercultures. I'm Brian Courtney. I'm Darren Jolly. And we are here to entertain you for at least two episodes. We use that word entertaining in a very loose way. <laughs> but uh, we, we find ourselves entertaining, if nothing else. Yeah, that's part of that catharsis that he's always talking about. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's objectively entertaining. That would mean that I think that I'm... Yeah, that doesn't make much sense. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, we're going to talk about... I don't know. So... You know, hip-hop, punk rock music, that were, or those were two of the things that we talked about in the first two classes of the summer semester. Um, (laughs) But since we're talking about media, we're probably going to talk about punk rock and hip-hop again. Um, We also left out heavy metal, which was sub slash counterculture. I don't know if we're going to talk about albums necessarily or bands or specific songs. So we're just going to fucking go and, and see where we go. You uh, have anything to lead off with? Well, I mean, I, I'm not going to say specifically, but a lot like when I was going over the stuff that I was going over for the last 24 hours specifically. And like, maybe I should have not told my fucking story from the dead shows, you know, like in the last, maybe that would have been better. That was a good story. But it would have been better, like in the pop culture side of things. Although we're kind of, there's a lot of crossover here again, and we, yeah. you know, we're not like a, like categorically restrictive individuals, but, uh, I uh, would be if he'd let me. Yeah, that's going to never fly, though. So <laughs> if, if, he, if he were to be, like, hyper-specific, it would this would be the Brian Courtney short bus debate club where he sits here and debates with his fucking self. Which really would be a short bus debate. Yeah, it would be, yeah. And it'd be a little bit like masturbation. Like short bus masturbation. schizophrenic debate. I'm going to put myself in a white room with, the, with the, what do they call those things? Uh, Straight jacket. Yeah, I was going to say, and I'm going to pop my arm out so I can jerk myself off and then put it back in. You know, that's pretty much what it would turn into. It's very That's creative, a bad, in, a, in a bad picture. Not, not a picture that anybody ever really wants to see. But having said that, um, like, for whatever reason, um, because when I was young, um, and I had a lot of iterations of myself, I mean, it wasn't like I would, like, turn into one sort of category of person and be like, I am, this is Darren, the punk rock person. And, you know, then I, you know, have like these sort of articulations with hair and shirt, all those things were happening. You know, it wasn't like a, like a clear, like I define myself as this. Right. And like when I started smoking a bunch of pot and then going to see dead shows, and all, I, I still like, I never even, even I remember when I was at my first dead show in 84. Yeah. Vegas 84. No second. No, it was, it was the first dead show out of Colorado. Um, there were all these fucking hipster doofuses that were all around and, uh, we were smoking some weed. I think me and Josh and no, it wasn't. It was 95. It was those 95 dead shows. In I, Vegas? Yeah. Uh-huh. 
because if you're with Pickle, like there's no real space for a social person to exist. So, but me and Dave and Josh would be sitting there smoking weed, and uh, one of the things that really smacked me upside the head was that uh, even though I like might have looked like I played the part, like I didn't identify with a lot of the folks that were around those areas because like they there was the whole idea of what it meant to be inside of a Grateful Dead community. And then that self-image played itself out in certain ways inside of a lot of people. But, like, it was very contradictory in the way that it played itself out. So I, generally speaking, did not find myself uh, blending into a lot of those social spaces. But at that point, or is this what you're talking about? Because I'm guessing by then, most of the Trustafarians were there. Um it was a lot of those people that attended like Woodstock 99, even though it was 95. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't the Grateful Dead or even like the, um, the Bluegrass Festival crowd or, or anything like that. It was starting to become something different. entirely yeah. different. There's this wonderful song by fish called gogly apparatus right and like the lead-in lyrics of this the song are and he wrote this when he was like in third or fourth grade right he said i look into the finance box just to check my status status i look into the microscope i see a gogly apparatus so then it goes to i saw you with the ticket stub in your hand i saw you you know so like there's this correlation between yeah like uh, I remember when we were in, in 95, at 95 New Year's and like everybody's, you know, smoking there. Like we're outside of Madison Square Garden, we're puffing and people are tripping and everybody's wandering around. And there's this one guy that's like, he's, he, I mean, he's got dreadlocks and, you know, he just like totally like studio fucking hippie, right? And uh, this guy's like, the studio hippie's like, you call yourself a fish head, you know. I was at this show, and I was at that show, and I was at this show, and that show, and I haven't seen you at any of those. You don't know anything about fish. And in the back of my head, I it was just, I saw you with the ticket stub, you know? I mean, because that's, at some point, yeah, and like with the dead, like, especially like when I, you know, the, when, like the, the, the nitrous and everybody getting fucked up so much, like it was really about, if there was ever a moment where there was something that was pure, something that was thoughtful, and I think that that's kind of like an obscene notion in, in and of itself, um, yes, it was bastardized. A lot of that stuff was lost. So yes, when I saw that, it was it was at a certain moment. But um, to bring it back full circle to where, like, because I always get right to the point when I start to say things, right? <laughs> I was looking at the punk rock stuff, right? Because it had been, I, like I, I mentioned to you, um, not, not on air, but the, uh, the last time I saw Sid and Nancy, I was like 13 or 14 years old. Um, and and uh, or maybe, whatever, I was very young, you know, and uh, my relationship to punk rock was was incredibly fucking naive, you know, I'd gone to a, fair, like a few shows, you know, uh, you know, from fucking Circle Jerks and Fugazi to the Warlock Pinchers, you know, which of course is like the local band that like, I saw, somebody actually told me that they saw me when I was like 13 years on Teletoons, standing over a speaker, just fucking going crazy, banging my head, like fucking hilarious, made me fucking laugh, you know, but uh um, I saw all of those shows, but again, like the meaning, the ideas that were behind what was happening, um, while I had a ton of that n angst inside of me naturally, I, again, I wasn't like looking at myself and saying, so I, I kind of like started to look at like, 
I looked at that because I was kind of trying to imagine, you know, Manchester, like, you know, the UK, like London, during this time period where like, uh, like a working class position was sort of like exploding into sort of like expressions of like political thoughts and sort of expressions of nihilism, you know, uh, like anarchic dispositions, because they, they saw uh, like the utter hypocrisy of um, British social life, British, you know, political life. Um, and then it emerged through these various different fucking avenues that, you know, went everywhere from like GGL and like the, um, all these, you know, these other Minutemen exploited, you know, and Sex Pistols, obviously. Um, but then I was like, I was like, but like the way that I engaged in it in my mind and in my act was through this, I was a white suburban kid and I was not my parents were poor but a lot of my friends parents were not poor you know so there was this contradiction between uh, a middle class upper middle class and true like working class people um and then i started to think about suburbia that movie suburbia and uh you know stuff like the river's edge or all these and, and i don't mean the suburbia that was remade in the 2000s i mean the original version that was made in 1983 that had flea in it as they I remade it yeah they made remade it in like 2000 or something like that but it's got like fleas in it as a fucking 15 year old and he's got fucking gap in his teeth i mean i was like I was, I was i was like looking at him i was like there's no fucking way i was like dude that gap is unmistakable that's gotta be flea and i looked up and sure as fuck flea was in it uh i think he's been in like four movies most of them not good movies. Well, so the main punk guy in suburbia, and I'm gonna go down on a bunch of time, but I'm gonna go back after this one. The main punk guy, like the leader of the group, this blonde-headed kid, um, was uh, in another movie that another person from Red Hot Chili Peppers was in, Anthony Kiedis. He was in Point Break. He hung out with all those fucking speedheads, yeah. right? But he he goes from being the punk guy in suburbia to being a fucking meth dealer in fucking Point Break. But either way. I was trying to imagine that punk space, and I wish I would have gotten it. If I had time, I'd have gone and watched SLC Punk because it would have been interesting to kind of like see again. I like, love that fucking movie. But that was made in like two, what, two thousand three, two thousand five. Yeah, it was later. There. But to kind of like continue to see like those that social political consciousness emerge throughout time and develop and evolve because the way that fucking uh, Johnny Rotten and Sid Vicious were relating to punk was quite a bit different than the way that those kids that were so slc punk have, have you seen it no i haven't okay it, it's a great flick but it kind of illustrates both the argument that you and i were having earlier today about rich kid versus poor kid or or middle class kid mm -hmm. right but it also kind of talks about the question that I asked on the last episode where I was like, what the fuck can we do now? The line keeps being pushed and then it comes back, pushed again. Um, why did these people give up on whatever it is, you know, whether it be ice cube or the hippies or, or whoever. So an SLC punk, uh, I don't know most of the people in it. Uh, what was that? What's the, what's the thing though? What's the main? Well, well so Matthew Lillard plays, like the main punk rock kid mm -hmm. um and it's about growing up in this oppressive salt lake city and salt yeah. lake city where you know fucking rich white mormon 50 52 percent of the population is not mormon mm -hmm. 
but the Mormons make all of the laws. Well, his dad, it's like Mormon Jerusalem, was a rich attorney. Mm -hmm. And he always made comments about how his dad used to be a hippie and then just decided to go ahead and buy in. Was his, was his dad Mormon or no? They didn't they don't talk about speak it. specifically okay. about okay. that, but I don't think so. Okay. Um, well, he was, he and his group were always talking shit about the people that like wore the A t-shirts, mm -hmm. you know, how they were basically just fakes, you know. Um, oh, the anarchy t-shirts, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sorry. Um, or, I was like, is he talking about like yeah, Mr. T? Like a jean jacket with fucking safety pins in it or putting yeah, safety the, pins the, in uh, your ear. The, the studs. Yeah. yeah. So he was always talking trash about those people as just being posers and, and not understanding what punk Studio is about. Punk, yeah. Um, his buddy, one of them, was an alcoholic who was absolutely against drugs. Um, Another dude that was in it, he ended up being in that fucking shitty show, How I Met Your Mother. Um, the big, big dude. No idea. I'm so, um, happy to, I'm so happy to say that I don't really know. I mean, I think it, it had uh, Doogie Howser or something like that, didn't it? Yeah. That, other than that, I don't know, though. It, it wasn't a show that I watched a bunch, mm -hmm. but that. A tall that, kid that was in How I Met Your Mother. Yeah, and he's been in a couple of other things. But anyway, he was in it. The dude that played the main character in Final Destination, he was in it. Another movie that I'm happy to say that I've never seen. Um, But anyway, well, the dude from Final Destination ended up going batshit crazy because he accidentally fucking took like a hundred and some hits of LSD because he had him in his pocket and he was running from the cops and it was like snowing he and raining. Sweating or something. And like that. And he got it got wet into his body. Yeah. Oh, that's so, funny. Um, it's like an awesome urban myth, dude. It at the end of the movie, and this is not the awesome part. It's it's still a really good movie though. But at at the end of the movie, the main character, you know, one of his friends had died. One of them's in the fucking loony bin. So, Willard. Okay, I remember that like goofy guy from fucking. Uh, um, he played in Hackers and shit like that. Mm. Yes. Matthew Lillard? Yes. Yeah, he was the one that played the weird dude yeah. who was always mooching people's fries in Hackers. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> um, so he, uh, he finally just said, you know what, fuck it, and told his dad he was going to go ahead and go back to school and, and become an that's attorney. That's he totally fills out. Right. And and that's why I was saying because there were rich kids and poor kids in the group and the dad was a, a hippie who ended up becoming an attorney. And then the kid himself, who fucking hated everything that his dad stood for, finally said, you know what, fuck it, I gotta buy in or I gotta sell out, depending on how you look at it. Mm -hmm. Half full, half empty. Um, but it's it's a great flick. SLC Punk is one of my favorites well i mean that that sort of like puts the question because uh, that we were like trying to negotiate a little bit more in a more pronounced way like is do these like one of the things that i was sort of like imagine when i was watching these other kids were like 
I took uh, breaking away from social dispositions very seriously. Like, I mean, very, like, in, in the, like, on, most honest Cartesian sense of the word. Like, I, I had all this knowledge that was presented to me as a child, because I did grow up Mormon. Um, uh, the kid that actually directed it, uh, he grew up in Salt Lake City, so... He was definitely, it was definitely autobiographical, at least on some level. The guy that, that made SLC Punk, when I was reading, when you were talking, I was kind of looking at that for a second. But there's this sort of like idea that like, in the context of catharsis, that like you allow kids to rebel so that they can go through the process of rebelling so that they can come back to, to being a productive member of society. You know, where like Sid Vicious, um, uh, so like Johnny Rotten sort of he he wrote the words for all their music. Like he was the one that like had the uh the vision, at least in terms of, you know, I wanna be anarchy. Like that was definitely like Johnny Rotten. Like and then through like public image limited limited after um he got away from uh when everything went shitty in seventy eight when they were on their tour. Fuck the, the Queen Fuck like yeah. EMI. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was a yeah he he was pretty much against it all. He was a real tactician. But uh, so Sid, he meets fucking Nancy. They oh and uh, Johnny Rotten actually shares a birthday with me. What what, what a guy. What is that? That explains why he's so like uh, uh, he's got such great vision. <laughs> but uh, um, so like him and Johnny were inseparable at the beginning, right? And then they meet that crazy chick and somebody's like don't fucking hang out with her she's a fucking junkie right and uh he actually gives her some fucking money like sid vicious does and she fucking totally snakes it from him goes off and then he finds her again and like starts beating her up and like i fucking want my money back i want my fucking drugs and uh so some weird turn of events and she gives him all these fucking drugs but they end up becoming fucking junkies together right and ultimately the weird thing happens to where she gets stabbed in uh, 70, October of, I guess it would be October 78. I mean, literally, like, six months after the tour, you know? Like, I mean, like, their their whole existence was so concentrated. It's odd to, like, look at the Sex Pistols and think about how many, you know, aspects of punk rock tie back to that. But it's literally, like, such a fucking teeny little temporal blip on the fucking radar. But all that shit fucking sort of degenerates between the, them all. Like, there's this vision, this anarchic disposition, this total fucking nihilistic sensibility, but, like, which results in uh, them breaking up, the public image limited stuff going through Johnny Rotten, uh, Sid Vicious trying to have, like, a mini fucking solo career, and the weird incident where... Like, nobody, nobody really knows what happened in that fucking uh, hotel that night, whether or not he did stab her, whether or not, like, the way that they portrayed it in the film was that she actually, they're yelling at each other and cussing at each other, and she takes a run at him. He's like, you want me to stab you? You know, do you want, do you want and then he, she takes a run at him, and, and she, she stabs herself, for all intents and purposes. They don't fucking call the fucking paramedics. They're, like, in bed together, and she's been, like, fucking bleeding for hours. You know, she goes in the bathroom, and then she fucking collapses, right? So the cops show up, and they're asking him, who called the cops, who called the cops, who called the cops? And he's not answering, because it's basically catatonic. Because whether, I mean, clearly, Sid and Nancy did not have a very healthy social inter set, of, set of 
interactions. Like it was not it was not good by any stretch of the imagination. But he like he still was whether healthy or not. Like they were really into each other, right? So she fucking she dies. They send him to fucking Rikers Island for fifty five days because that's the holding place, right? And they bail him out. He goes to a fucking party. So in real life, he goes to a party and takes a little bit of heroin and fucking dies. But not in real life. In the in the there's so there's these kids that he runs into, and this is in the UK. So my my thought is that this is like part of a, one of the fantasy aspects of his, you know. And I don't, you know, like you obviously when you're making a film, you have, you know, the ability to do whatever the fuck you want. Um, but the, these kids that he interacts with in the UK, they end up being there. He's like he gets out of Rikers Island. He goes and he has a fucking like I want I want a slice of pizza, you know. So he goes and has a fucking slice of pizza. Comes out and these are these three kids and they're standing there with the ghetto blaster and they're listening to um, make a little dance, do or do a little dance, make a little love, and he, and they're like dance with us. So Johnny, I mean uh, Sid Vicious is like sitting there dancing with them, right? And it's fucking kind of a hilarious little scene. And then a cab fucking drives up. He looks inside and there's fucking uh, Nancy sitting there in a fucking wedding dress. And he gets in and they drive off, you know, so like that's that's like sort of like a fantasy space, obviously, but it ties back to this other part earlier in the movie where somehow or another Nancy arranges for him to meet her parents and her grandparents or grandparents come pick him up, take him to where they live in like Staten Island or something like that. Right. And uh, they're all sitting around the fucking table. Nancy's next to him. He's got his fucking arm around her like this with a fucking pint of schnapps in his fucking hand. He's got no fucking shirt on. He's totally fucking lit. And dad's sitting next to uh, sit on the other side. And he says, he says, what are your intentions with our daughter? You know, he's like, intentions, you know? And, and he's, he says, are you going to make an honest woman of her? And he says, she's been honest ever since I met her. You know, she's all, everything she said to me has been the truth. And, uh, like, obviously he wants to, he wants her to say whether or not he's going to fucking marry her. And, uh, so, like, it wraps back around to that point. Uh, but in a kind of obnoxious sort of, like, you know, you know, like, fantasy sort of, like, way. Like, they were all, they were, I mean, there's no marriage that was ever going to happen between the two of them. Uh, two other points. Um, he was 21 when he died, which I didn't realize he was so fucking young when he died. And I think that fucking kind of hilariously, and I don't know if this is just like, you know, the gods like laughing at us, but he died on Groundhog Day. Like, and I think that that's so like wonderfully beautiful in terms of symbolism because everything for fucking Sid Vicious would have been the same every day from here until the end of time, no matter what. Right. He was never going to evolve or change so like if there's something inside of the movement and this is kind of the bigger point that i was making johnny rotten had a vision for something sid vicious was a fucking horrible bass player not a great fucking musician a total fucking dipshit you know an artist to be sure you know but there was a there was not a real direction that that aspect of the punk rock scene was going well, a lot of those guys in punk rock, you know, whether you're talking about UK punk rock or New York punk rock or Detroit or LA, um, a lot of them didn't know how to fucking play instruments. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least initially, like the manager of uh, Black Flag, 
no, sorry, the manager of the germs was talking about the fact that to begin with, none of them knew how to play instruments. Mm -hmm. The way that they kind of camouflaged that was like one of them would like rub peanut butter all over himself or cut himself and, and bleed all over the stage, you know, something to... It'd be like an act more than... Right, make you look another way so that you could not realize how like they Allen. didn't know how DG to play. Allen would do all... He'd take shits on stage and stuff like that. Well, when you said that, it reminded me of a fucking Frank Zappa and Ozzy Osbourne. Um, and I don't know if this is a fucking urban myth or not, but I always heard... Him. Now, the, the bat thing probably is an urban myth, but I always heard that uh, Ozzy and Frank Zappa had a bet that they were always trying to outdo each other to see, you know, who could do this better, who could do this. And one night it was who would do the most disgusting thing. Hmm. And Ozzy Osbourne took a shit on stage. Frank Zappa went up and ate it. What? I don't know, dude. That's just some shit. <laughs> well, I mean, the irony to comparing that situation to them is, is that Frank Zappa was a fucking musical genius, dude. That I wasn't saying anything so, about. No, I his... know, but like the, the crazy thing is a way of detracting would definitely not apply him. No, and, and no. not even for Ozzy. I mean, I don't think Ozzy was the super genius of, but dude, fucking War Pigs, like in terms of the structure of a song, is just fucking awesome, dude. You know, maybe not. I am Iron Man. Tommy, whatever his name was, he was a pretty good guitar player, whatever. But uh, Iron Man is not the most brilliant. It's like Deep Purple. You know? No, but I mean that was. Yeah, that's disgusting. The start of heavy metal, and I don't, I don't know. Not the Frank Zappa, Ozzy Osbourne shit thing was the start of but heavy I'm metal. Have to but look that up now and see. Did 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 Frank Zappa? Or I could be confusing it. Maybe Frank took the shit and Ozzy ate it. I'm not certain at that point in time that it really... I mean, it does, I guess, on some level. It doesn't make a huge amount of difference, yeah. except for maybe one of them ended up with fucking hepatitis C or some shit. Um, Fecal matters. So, Sid Vicious died in 1979. You said that he was at a party, um, and he was in New York at the time. So was he partying with any of the people from like CBGB? Was he partying with anybody else that was famous? I, you know, because I was just watching the movie, there were certain things that I could get into with regards to the specs, but I couldn't. I didn't get. I didn't get that far into it. You know. Okay. But you want to hear something else funny about the movie? So the movie was made in '86. All right. Courtney fucking Love was in the movie, which is. Which I thought I just looked up the picture and that. I thought that was her, and then I thought, no, that couldn't be her. But I don't know. That he closed up the page with the most forthright statement for, on the matter. For the records, folks, I never took a shit on stage, and the closest I ever came to eating shit anywhere was at a Holiday Inn buffet in Fayetteville, North Carolina in 1973. <laughs> so okay, that was clearly urban myth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it was Captain Beefheart. That was what they said. It wasn't uh, uh, Ozzy. So. Well, and I don't know. Like, once you fucking sober up and it's fucking 30 years later, are you really going to admit to eating now, shit? You may not know this, but Frank Zappa never, never drank and never took a drug. Ever. Okay. He was totally sober. Now, 
he smoked 14 packs of cigarettes a day and died of fucking lung cancer. You know, I think it was lung cancer he died of, but. Dude, that's weird, because both of his kids seemed like they were on drugs, too. Both was, Dweezil and Moon. He was, he was not only, he was very, um, he did not accept it in the people that he played with, either. Like, Zappa was about being there. Like, if you look at, like, like honestly, like, if you go through, like, fucking Thing Fish or, you know, even, even Joe's Garage and shit like that, he and the people that he surrounded himself with were... I mean, they, they all had jazz backgrounds. They were, he wanted you to be, if you could not rise to the mental level of the music that they were trying to create, you were fired. You know, that's why Steve, I mean, Steve Vai was, I mean, I know Steve Vai drank a fair amount in his day and probably tripped a little bit and this and that. But it, when it came to being with Frank Zappa, um, he kept Steve Vai because he was incredibly technically proficient. You know? Yeah. And that is a, a, not, doesn't nearly capture Steve, Steve Vai's guitar capabilities. So, yeah, he was sober. Weird. I didn't realize that either. I like I saw I was like, what the fuck? But he didn't tolerate it. Not at all. Wow. So that's no, no fecal matters in memory. That's <laughs> crazy, dude. <laughs> and it's just so you just now saying the the drug thing. Um so I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but Mike Judge did two seasons of the uh i always want to call it the fucking magic bus tour but i don't know so the first season was about country music and the second season was about like r&b and they went on tour or something like that with them or what was no it? he just went and it was like a documentary about these people that were on tour and one of the episodes they were talking about being on two different buses and apparently Waylon Jennings didn't like drugs. He didn't like Coke or weed. Willie liked Coke <laughs> and weed. Just a, just a little, just a touch. And something happened. At, you guys have to watch the show, but in, or anyway. What was it called again? Fuck. Um, Mike judges something magic bus tour. I, I can't ever remember the fucking name, but it's a great fucking show too. Um, no, I don't, I don't want to ruin it because there's a lot of it that just will make you laugh hysterically. Well, maybe not. It made me laugh hysterically. Um, but basically it ended up that there were a bunch of drugs on... Tales from the Tour Bus, Mike Judge presents. Waylon's bus mm -hmm. and not Willie's bus. And then the cops pulled both buses over. And I think Waylon thought that he was in the clear. And everybody on Willie's bus were kind of freaking out because they knew that there were a bunch of drugs on Waylon's bus. <laughs> and he, you know, didn't tolerate it so um so they were hiding him in there because i don't i can't remember dude and i tried to rewatch it the last time i talked about it mm -hmm. and i can't find it at least the last time i looked mm -hmm. which was i don't know two months ago or whatever when we talked about it they don't have it listed anywhere i mean yeah you can't available. you can't get it streaming you can buy it on prime i think mm -hmm. yeah that, that they showed you um but it it's a a great fucking show like 
it might introduce you to some country music that you may have not Good enjoyed. Stuff, man. Yeah. Um, and then the, the second season is, is just as good. I mean, they talk about George Clinton fucking tripping acid. That's when I talked about it was when we were talking about horror movies, I think, because George Clinton and, you know, P-Funk, they're driving around, I think, in Wisconsin or some mm-hmm. shit. And they're all tripping. And they end up coming to like this dead end and there are all these fucking zombies walking around and they start freaking out. And it turns out that they like drove into the middle of fucking George Romero filming uh, Night of the Living Dead. So just little shit like that. It's it's a funny fucking show. Yeah, I was trying to see if I could find like anything on YouTube. It's just a bunch of clips on YouTube. And you can buy it off YouTube too, but yeah. yeah there's no nowhere for free. Nowhere or nowhere to stream either, so so, since since we started off talking about the punk shit, I'm going to talk about this show, and then maybe we can segue into the heavy metal stuff, because we didn't really cover it. So, Penelope Spheris, who is the same director that did the movie Suburbia that Darren was just talking about, her first movie out of film school was a documentary called The Decline of Western Civilization. And the first movie was about the Los Angeles punk scene. When the movie was released in LA, um, you know, I'm sure they rolled out the red carpet and turned on some spotlights and shit. Um, Basically, a a small riot occurred. Uh, Daryl Gates, who was the police chief at the time, said, we do not want this movie to be shown in L.A. ever again. Um, Now, whether or not that happened to where they actually could shut down and not show the movie, because the movie caused... A riot? Yeah. They had to shut down Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, Jesus. And I don't know, maybe it wasn't a riot, but it was definitely some people. And you got to understand, I think on some level, back then, punk wasn't really considered music. It was like really rap. considered like a nuisance. Like rap at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So maybe or, or that's... pop for that matter. That's what it was, was just them saying, fuck you, we're not going to tolerate your music or your fucking slam dancing um, or anything. Fuck you guys. Don't play this shit again. So she did a really good documentary. And again, it was called The Decline of Western Civilization. It talked about bands like Black Flag, The Germs, uh, Catholic Discipline, Circle Jerks. um, What's another L.A. punk band? I don't know about out of LA. I don't know Agnostic Front. I don't know. Um. Anyway, if if you want to learn more about punk rock music, or if you're a punk rock fan, I highly recommend it. Or if you want to look at it in the context of what we're doing to see if there was an actual movement out of those things, something to raise consciousness. Absolutely. Something that got appropriated by by the fucking market so quickly that it didn't even mean anything at the end of the day. Um. 
it was it was a great movie the the film is a little grainy the audio isn't perfect all of the time but it it's it's a quality flick um there's another show since i'm on the punk rock thing so before mgm plus was mgm plus it was a channel actually on cable called epics and they did a four-part series called punk and that is another fucking excellent show because they talk about british punk and New York punk and Detroit punk and LA punk and they they kind of cover the gamut with regard to you know punk rock music and how it evolved you know to where you're I think they they finish it off with you know Green Day which you know how I feel about Green Day based on the last episode but they also talk about like Nirvana and Bad Religion and how it it went into you know, these guys that were basically playing for peanuts to, you know, multi-million dollar artists. Since I did just mention Nirvana and, and Darren mentioned Courtney Love, I think maybe we can discuss this a little bit before I talk about the metal years, but um, I think one of the reasons that I like Nirvana versus Green Day was because Green Day was the band saying, look at me, look at me. Nirvana had that angst, and they were saying, fuck you to the system, and fuck you to education, and fuck you to everybody, including the people that should have been looking at them. Like, anytime MTV wanted to do a fucking interview with them, Kurt Cobain was like, fuck you, I'm not talking to you, I don't want to do an interview. Quit. Quit asking. Well, the record company said we could do it. Well, then go talk to the fucking record company. And I know I never said that, but... Um, I, so I think that's one of the reasons, well, that and that the, the lyrics and the music were actually good in my opinion, compared to Green Day. So I, I think that that's why I liked Nirvana and why I absolutely hated Green Day. But, and dude, Nirvana was, I mean, it was uh, emotionally up and, I mean, it was very manic depression kind of stuff, you know, like uh, lithium, all that kind of stuff. But I do, before we get like over into the metal side, one thing, part of the reason why the, the Suburbia one was so fucking cool was because, like I said, Sid, Johnny, maybe that was, the, that was sort of like the inception of it, right? But one of the things that was so interesting about some of the things that developed before we took this fucking no effects, Green Day, pop punk fucking left turn, when you still had... Um, like when it was Circle Jerks, Minor Threat, you know, Exploited, um, there was a working class component to it. There was an anarchic disposition to it. There was a Marxist disposition to it sometimes, the Minutemen. But the tension of working class experiences, particularly in the 1980s um, in the U.S., uh, 
they use this image so the, the 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 first image of the movie starts with uh this girl that's running away um who ends up being she ends up killing herself uh at the end um because she just doesn't feel like it's worth it living anymore and she was part of this community of people that all live together um in this squatter place uh but this incident occurs where um She's hitchhiking. Uh, a mother who has her uh, two, two, three-year-old daughter sitting uh, in a a baby seat next to her in the front seat, which is fucking hilarious. Definitely shows you the 1980s. Fucking do that shit anymore. But uh, sitting in between them, uh, they blow a tire. Uh, they get out of the car. They walk. They find a payphone. A payphone. <laughs> and uh, she's she ha like the the baby's crying while she's trying to call a tow truck. And she hands it to this this girl, this teenage girl who was hitchhiking, and a wild dog comes up and mauls the the three year old baby, right? Like totally, like what the fuck, you know? Like scene, and it turns out that the squatter place where all these uh, kids who are runaways or they don't live at home for any number of reasons, right? Um, all these wild dogs live in this area where, um, again, like, uh, I, I think it was an industrial town where, um, like, because of, like, what ended up turning into NAFTA in 94, but because you started to see companies leaving to Mexico, going to China, going to Taiwan, or that's all over the place. Um, uh, the industrial uh, part of the United States was disappearing. People were losing their jobs. They were getting scared. They were getting reactionary. So you have one group of people that are like, uh, like hillbillies, guns, you know, want to go after somebody, and then you have this other group of people that are more like the the punkers, right? And uh, this, the, so the the next turn of events, this this boy's mom is an alcoholic. Uh, she marks on a bottle because she thinks her son's trying to steal her booze from her. Uh, and of course she's just drinking so much that she doesn't realize that she's doing it to herself. Um, so the kid, uh, gets up and walks outside. His brother is sitting on a big wheel, a big wheel, fucking big wheels, man. I haven't seen big wheel for a hundred fucking years. And, uh, the kid fucking says to his brother, I gotta leave. I'm gonna go, you know, mom will be better if she's only got you. Right. But that's not true. What ends up happening is she gets him in a fucking drunk driving accident. He goes he goes back and grabs his little brother and takes him to this fucking house. Then because he knew, even at 14 or 13 or whatever he was, that he his brother was safer there with him than he was with uh, the drunkard mom. The drunkard mom, right? So and 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 so that's like you you have this this little girl who's running away from home. It turns out that her father had molested her and beat the shit out of her. She commits suicide. They take her back to her parents' house. They go to the fucking funeral. They're at the funeral. The mom's crying. Uh, tells the father that she, you know, to get those punkers out of there, and confronts them and her boyfriend, who this really sweet kid that just basically wanted to create a space where she felt safe, you know, um, because that was all they were trying to have was a family. They had no family in their own spaces, so. Through the like the destruction of this industrial town, uh, these kids, homeless, living in this space, create their own concept of family. Like I said, uh, 
uh, Coyle, the the what's his name uh, that he played the number two character, Billy Billy Coyne, uh, Evan Johnson was the character's name. He goes and uh, like I said, he br he brings his brother there, and then these fucking hillbillies come and attack him because they make this huge thing up about how they went and uh, fucked with the funeral home and all that stuff and. Uh, they've been at a strip club, so they're getting all pumped up. They got their guns. They show up at the fucking place. These punkers fuck them up like fucking bad. They fucking drive away. They turn around. They fucking come back. And his his little brother's so fucking cool. Like he brings him back, and he's got this little fucking seven year old kid with a giant fucking mohawk. And as soon as it happens, you know what's gonna happen. These guys are fucking coming at him. Everybody gets out of the way except the little kid. The little kid gets fucking run over and flips up on top of the car. And, of course, the tragedy is that these kids are trying to find a safe place, and they're actually doing it, I won't say honestly, because they're, you know... Panhandling their, and, and stealing. Their, yeah, getting their food by robbing open garages and shit like that. But given the time period, there's a million more things that you could be doing, and they're just trying to survive. And because these hillbillies, who've all lost their fucking jobs because they worked at the GM factory, they disappeared... They want to exact revenge, and they do it on the people that are the weakest children, you know. Or they just find, you know, who they can blame, yeah. you know, whatever. I mean, that was like fucking Tulsa in 1921. Yes, yeah, they, yes. They're blaming exactly them the for the bullshit that Black either they, they caused themselves by not educating themselves or whatever, or... You know, the black people didn't have anything to do with it, just like the punk rockers didn't, but they, they were yeah. new. It was an easy target, you know, just like in, in Europe for the last 10 years, it's been uh, immigrants, you know, just like it's been immigrants here for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's the only reason why I wanted to bring it up was because in that moment, the punk space really did become sort of like a codified social disposition, but certainly not one that had any, they didn't have any power, they didn't have any access to resources so they were doing something but it was still very reactionary not 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 meaningful and it turned into where it just got like you said like uh it turned into green day no effects and uh a bunch of kids skateboarding middle class kids skateboarding that if there was anything meaningful that you know where it grew from in the first place you know which was in manchester you know working class kids in england or wherever it started from you know it's so weird the way that the the music cycles work and of course we're not really pulling hip-hop into this this portion of the conversation of course i i guess i could because a lot of hip-hop people said that you know new york hip-hop at, at at its roots at its beginning started alongside punk so the hip-hop in new york to begin with was more more punk in detroit they didn't have punk rock what they had was techno so in detroit hip-hop was more techno and then in la um ice t described it as um Lamaze music because they were all <sighs> um so what? that's what they had in LA. Um <laughs> do that again? How'd that go again? <sighs> and this was hip hop music that was Well, it was kinda hip hop um growing 
beside whatever other popular music was in that region. Lamaze, you said? That's what Ice-T okay. called it, was Lamaze music. That's kind of funny. Um, that's what they had in L.A. But the reason that, that I mentioned those things is kind of unclear to me because I started talking to you. Oh, yeah. Well, we're not pulling the, the okay. hip-hop into it. But the reason... So, music generally rolls in, in like some kind of cycle. But I think that it was weird. And Green Day, for some reason, they actually considered punk. But Nirvana... I thought had always been considered grunge, but they were on that that punk documentary, um, and they are kind of punk rock. I'll I'll give you that. But so punk rock was there, and then all of the punk rockers were kind of pissed off because then all of a sudden heavy metal came in, even though a lot of it wasn't heavy because they were wearing lipstick and singing ballads and whatever. But then. All of the Robert the headbangers were pissed off. No, I'm well, more uh, like Motley Crueish. Oh, okay, that kind of lipstick of people. Okay, I'm sorry, I was going in a different direction. I apologize. Um, and then all of the headbangers were pissed because they got bumped off, and all of a sudden their sales started going in the toilet because this grunge shit came in. So the way, and when grunge came in, that's when Yo MTV raps got real big on MTV. And then you started seeing hip hop growing leaps and bounds. I mean. Who did Yo MTV rap? Who was that? His name was Fab Five Freddy. Oh, it was from fucking, uh, that's, uh, what's his name? From uh, Public Enemy. Wasn't No, he? that's Flavor Flav. Oh, okay. It was that. Okay. Why am I Fab Five Freddy was like an artist. Um, and he helped hip hop spread throughout the boroughs because he did a lot of art in um, like Manhattan and shit. But Fab Five Freddy, I don't think he was ever in a hip hop band. I'm pretty sure you're thinking of Flavor Flav. Yeah, yeah, I was. I was. They just ident- they actually identify him as a visual artist. Okay. Which I don't know what the fuck that means, but I don't either. But I know he was an artist. And, you know, a rap fan. And he knew a lot of these guys that were doing the stuff that they were doing, whether it was I don't know which one of them it was, Grandmaster Flash or whoever. They identify him as the coolest person in New York, and I see a picture of him here with uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat. So, Yeah, so he knew a, a lot of the people from CBGB mm-hmm. and, you know, from probably Studio 54 because they were around simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the... And I am going to talk more about hip-hop, but because of the fact that we did kind of leave heavy metal out as mm-hmm. a subculture or um, counterculture in, in the first two, I kind of want to just talk man. about the metal years, which is the second part of the decline of Western civilization. So basically, you know, they're on Hollywood Boulevard, they're 
looking at all of the the bands that are playing at Whiskey A Go Go mm-hmm. and and all of those kind of places. They're also showing, you know, these guys doing drugs and fucking drinking themselves to death, and and they talk about how, you know, uh, somebody died in a drunk driving accident, somebody OD'd, and I think they talked to Nikki Six because he OD'd like three times. Um, so it it talks about heavy metal, and probably in high school I was more of a metalhead than a punk but again i am sort of along the lines as as darren like my music could be considered eclectic to say the least you know i listen to a lot of blues i listen to jazz our identity is um, a lot more transient like it doesn't get stuck in yeah i i don't need to have like again the only the only genre of music that i don't really like is country or country western and even that isn't hard and fast because again you know johnny cash willie nelson yeah the singer songwriters yeah the good ones um so those guys but what i guess the reason i really wanted to mention the the metal years is because all three of those movies are good so the last one of her Decline a Western Civilization series is about the gutter punks. So it's about these middle-class kids that basically become homeless and they're panhandling and shit and skateboarding, like Darren said. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they wanted to, they could go back home, but they listen to punk rock music and, and live on the streets. So all three of them are are excellent fucking movies, especially if you want to see not necessarily how music influenced society, but how a particular genre of music influenced enough people to where it could have been considered sub or counter culture. Um, so they're, they're good movies. And, as depressing as they are, I can understand why she calls it the decline of Western civilization. You know what's interesting about metal, too, though, is in that same context, like, like you take a band like uh, like Metallica, right? And because they were sort of at the beginning, you know, with Judas Priest and, and, and Iron Maiden and some of those other, you know, like... Uh, Garage Days were visited. Like, you have these, these early moments of it where it had... It was highly technical. It was angsty. You know, um, you you had to be incredibly proficient in your guitar guitar solos if you wanted to be able to play in a space like that. But it was it was technical, not in a free way. Like although, like I'll listen, like I listened to a, a version of like Nothing Else Matters the other day. That uh, it was like a fourteen minute version of that song. Back then, there there was no that you weren't gonna you weren't gonna hear um, Master of Puppets. It was gonna be generally speaking roughly as long as master of puppets is like it's not going to deviate from that general structure and and they've given themselves a little bit more space and that doesn't mean that they're not doing the same thing fish or you know the dead would would be doing but uh those initial spaces it was about a certain thing you know but then you had all that fucking hairband fucking nastiness you know and it was about 
you know, drugs and blowjobs and, you know, Tina Height and, you know, all those fucking girls, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, more, more Tina than Trish. Sorry, <laughs> Tina. I don't want to hate on anybody, but we are who we are, right? Um, and uh, it was about aesthetics, you know? I mean, Brett Michaels was not a really great songwriter, you know? I mean... Uh, Tommy Lee, you know, he might have, what was his, he, he might, he might have take Pamela and he might, you know, put her in the hospital by dick slapping her or something like that. But, uh, again, like it, some of them were better, well, better musicians than others. Right? I wasn't a huge fan of Motley Crue or Poison mm-hmm. or Cinderella or any of that yeah. Fluff. softer stuff, Fluff. the, the lipstick heavy metal. Yeah. Um, but Metallica, I was a huge fan of. Until? I loved Megadeth. I loved Slayer. Metallica until? Until Black. The Black Album. Yeah. yeah. That, then they turned. I mean, it was almost like that. And there was technically more sound than fucking Poison. But still, like. Yeah, there's a, there's a point. And, you know, I understand, like, both of us are always talking about growth. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to grow. We've got to do this be better, learn this, do this, whatever. I just don't know if the Black Album was truly about growth or if it was just getting more radio play. Yeah. I mean, Enter Sandman, you know, was tacky. You know, and there were still a couple of good songs on the Black Album. What, I mean, did what, is Sabatru on it? Or what is, or Nothing Else Matters is on that one, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that should that should be right. Um, I don't know. I bought it. So did I. Um, but I didn't like it after about two weeks. because uh, again, it was just it was like it wasn't about growth. It wasn't about becoming more technically proficient or introducing a new sound. Wasn't a horrible song. Yeah, sad but true. And the unforgiven, other than that. Oh, and nothing else matters. Yeah, all three of those are on there. Yeah, but as far as I'm concerned, that doesn't make it any better. No, 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 no. Well, dude, I mean, when you're comparing it with their other stuff was really good. I mean, it really was fucking very good, you know? I mean. Well, so here's kind of the funny thing, and this is kind of why I wanted to talk about the Metal Years. Because, I mean, you're talking about a band that said, you know, I killed your baby today. Doesn't matter that much to me. As long as it's dead. Um, And now they've got songs on commercials, on major motion pictures. Um, So again, this thing that was subversive, offensive, you know, Tipper Gore had Metallica on their hit list on just as much as Twisted Sister or NWA or Mix Lot or uh, Luke Skywalker. What's their name? Yeah, and the two live crew. crew. Yeah, any of those those bands. I mean, they were on that list also, and now not. Now it's just acceptable, and maybe it is just because of growth and maybe because I'm so fucking set in my ways and that, you know, I've got fucking concrete boots that I can't, I can't see that it is 
growth and I consider it selling out. But as far as I'm concerned, every album after Black is horseshit. Yeah, I, I I've listened to them, but I, I don't even like I don't even I don't remember them. If you if you cannot have the ability to take me somewhere or to permeate my consciousness, but I'm pretty open. You know, I'll listen to what. Yeah. You can. You don't like. I. I. I want you to give introduce me to a new kind of music that I've never heard before, and have it fucking transport me to somewhere that I've never been. I'll. I'll always go there. But. Well, and here's what's funny is that the the crossover shit that is on major motion pictures and commercials and whatever, isn't any of the stuff from new albums. It's off of it's Master. It's yeah. off of fucking and Justice was, for All. That was the that was the innovative spaces. Shit, it would have been. What what is that song? The the I got something to say. What is that? What is that name of that song? As long as it's dead. Um, it was on Garage Days though. Yeah, right? it was. Or was it on Ride the Lightning? Some of Garage Days was duplicated, I think. Probably. It, 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 but you're right. Of course, what you're saying is correct because the fact is that they. Um, nothing that they're doing and 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 look we i don't have anything i don't have any fucking problem with crossover stuff i mean i listen to like all the bluegrass stuff that i listen to today reaches out and touches and i mean fucking billy strings is fucking covering uh what did i tell you they were covering the other day um the uh, uh crown of thorns you know yeah. from fucking uh what's the name of that band uh pearl jam before it was pearl jam mm, yellow Ledbetter. No, not Yellow Lead Better. That's a great song, though. I think probably that's, like, Pearl Jam's, like, most sophisticated, like, uh... I mean, definitely Mike McCready's best guitar work is on that fucking song. Um, and Yellow Lead Better's Pearl Jam, anyway. I thought that that was the name of their band before they became Pearl Jam. Yellow Lead Better's the, the song about the brother coming home in a body bag or something like that. So, Last Caress... Green Hell. Green Hell's the name of that song, right? Yeah, I got yeah. It. yeah, okay. Um, Crown of Thorns, and uh, uh, they did that album together uh, with uh, Chris Cornell, and that was the homage to, because the guy died of a heroin overdose. Um, boom, 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 boom. Mother Love Bone. Mother Love Bone, that's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, and I didn't remember that. I actually had to look it up. Okay. It was good that you brought it in, because I don't think anybody wants to hear me sing my uh, tone-deaf melodies. So. <laughs> so, you know, sell out or buying in again, I don't. I don't know, or if it is truly growth, but I do think Metallica sucks now. However, I think even Tipper Gore and George Bush Sr., if he were still alive, would be accepting of them now because it is mainstream shit. And you think that when Tipper Gore was doing that stuff and she put the strap on that she was given fucking... George Bush Sr. reach around during those moments, or do you think that she was what, probably just... Al was just sitting there being fucking a cuckold? Yeah, he said, you know what, George, this is a real inconvenient proof. <laughs> <laughs> I 
that put that in your fucking pipe and smoke it, super. But I don't know of any. I guess I don't know of any heavy metal people that ended up being in movies that I can remember. I know that Netflix a few years ago had that movie called Dirt that was about Motley Crue, yeah, uh-huh. and that was a fairly entertaining movie. Yeah, Dale thought it was real funny. You tried to get me to watch it. I haven't watched it. Um, well, the I mean, the opening fucking scene is some chick squirting. Like, they're you in... You can't go wrong when right. it starts with a girl squirting. <laughs> that's a... That's like a win right out the gate. You can only go you can only go down from there. They're in some shitty apartment. The cops have kicked in the door so much that it's fucking like nailed shut. So they have to enter the apartment through the window. So all these people are coming in and out through the window. And they're like, You gotta see this, you gotta see this. And this chick's just like I think she's on the chair or the couch or something in the middle of this party. She's just masturbating and I was about to ask who triggered the tidal wave, but it was just her. She mm-hmm. was the she was pulling the trigger. Out. If I remember correctly, but somebody may have fucked her too. I don't know. I mean, it's, they're not mutually exclusive, you know, potential dispositions. Right. That's a, so, but I can't remember. I mean, aside from different songs being on movies where. They wouldn't have been before, and Metallica specifically. I can't think of anybody, you know, and he's he's punk, but like Iggy Pop, I've seen him in a couple of movies. Um, Flea, Anthony Kiedis, like you said. Um, rappers, obviously. You know, we talked about Ice Cube, Ice-T, LL Cool J. They're actors now. Method Man, Red Man, they've been in movies. But I can't think of any fucking headbangers that are in movies. You know, the the girl that I lost my virginity to was a squirter. That's, like, not fair. Because that's totally misleading, you know? I'm not going to talk about any of the girls that I banged on the show. (laughs) I didn't say any names. I just said that, look, look. Like, if the first girl that you have sex with is a squirter, that's misleading. Well, and I know, like, I was at a party and this guy, Aaron, was talking about his girlfriend being a squirter, and he said that it scared him. Um, I don't know that it ever scared me. Yeah, that's not generally a fear production moment. But it didn't ever throw me into, like, there's an entire fucking category on internet porn Porn. that just looks for squirting. Um, I don't know that I'm so into it that I have to seek that shit out, but whatever. I, I, I'm not going to frown. I'm, I don't think it's something to frown against, you know? I mean, <laughs> I mean, not that it's something that like, uh, like sets, like you said, sets the disposition necessarily in one direction or another, you know, but right. Um, if, if you're playing music and you know, there's a little applause, there's, there's nothing wrong with that, you know? And that's 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 demonstrable applause, I would think. So this is kind of a tangent, um, but maybe not. You're going to speak in a different direction. No, well, we were sort of yeah, talking about movies, yeah. and I mentioned the squirting thing, yeah. so I what can kind of understand. Heavy metal movie, dirt. Dirt. Okay. 
and it's like a it's not a documentary no but it's it's all those it's, it's it about the motley, motley crew guys okay. yeah. yeah um so i mentioned porn with regard to squirting now i don't want to talk a whole lot about porn but I, I i don't believe that statement it is one of those categories that were at least subculture depending on what region of the country was probably counterculture mm -hmm. in a lot of ways um and now it is accepted i mean I'm guessing if you looked real deep into like your uh, mutual funds for your 401k, you I'm willing to bet that there would be porn. some porn investments <laughs> there. I mean, but but you you know like whether it's counterculture or not, like is is debatable though. I mean, relative to like, I mean, we talked about uh, what's his name, uh, the hustler guy. We, cause we Larry did, Flint. Yeah, we went in that in that episode. I mean, like. There's no doubt that when he was doing what he was doing, things right now are are at least you know qualitatively different than they were during that time period when it comes to acceptance or you know. But even still, like, our and because we talked about prostitution in some other episodes, like our rhetorical disposition with the prostitution, if we accepted. Like, do we accept porn because we accept the voyeuristic quality? If we can se ex separate the deed, if we can separate the deed from the thing itself, you know, um, I mean, the, the, the deed from the image of the deed itself, rather. Um, is that why we would accept porn? Because we're still total hypocrites when it comes to, like, I'm not sure that we've got quite to the point where, like, I'm pretty sure you're not going to go talk to Mormons and they're going to be like, yeah, you know, my kid can look at it. He can sit there. And, I'd rather have him sitting there jerking himself off than going out and having fucking babies at 14. No, but it kind of goes along with our argument where, you know, if if they can make money off of it, then it's absorbed. And if they can't, then it's eliminated. Um, so they can keep it separated. Like the money's there, but we're not talking about it then? Or Yeah, it's kind of under the table, so to speak. I mean... Dude, they have, and they they put it on, I think it was on Showtime every year, but it was the Adult Video Awards. Yeah, the awards, yeah. Um, and they all give out these fucking huge gold cocks for your your trophy. Um, I think that's not, I think they should mix that up a little bit, you know? Also. Give a golden nipple here and there and give a, uh, give a golden clit, you know? Mix it up a little bit. Yeah, um, that this, would that this, would be fair. The swollen clit, you know, there's a there's yeah. a golden swollen clit. The squirting badge. Yeah, see, um, and you could even like you know have a little pump inside of it. So if somebody you know, you know well, and at the consumer electronics show, they have weird shit like that. They're working on like the suits and shit that you know you can put on glasses and have virtual sex. So. It, it's more ex, it's more accepted than it was. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That that I that I will not disagree with. I'm just not sure that it's quite gotten to the level of a full blown. There's still a line, maybe a little bit, a little bit. It's still in process, you know. But um, it'd be a different kind of sexual revolution. Well, a lot of the like 
former porn stars or current porn stars end up being in shows that everybody else watches. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Entourage. Uh, Sasha Gray ended up being on one of the seasons of Entourage. Um, and she was a porn star. Maybe still is, I don't know. Because I, I think in porn, especially from a female perspective, I think you only got about three years longevity. I mean... It, it depends. There's a lot of kinks. There's a lot of fetish out there. Yeah, well, but... The it, whole milk category exists, right? I think... Uh, well, no, I'm just talking about just being banged out dude like seriously uh i'm and i'm spent <laughs> i don't know dude like maybe like if they get those people exercises going you know one movie i was watching and i wish i could remember the name of it um they bust into like this porn show it might be the girl next door i'm not positive and one of the dudes was sitting at the bar. No, it's not the girl next door. I'll I'll think of it at some point. But this girl was like, well, I can't really do this anymore. And so I'm going to be losing money because I refuse to do double anal vaginal penetration and whatever. So that's the kind of shit where I'm talking about where you just end up being busted out. I mean, if you're getting two dicks stuck in your ass, I'm pretty sure you're going to be maybe, done. But you could always get a bukkake, you know? Yeah, maybe. On that, on that note, we're at about an hour and 20 minutes right now. <laughs> so we're going to come back and we're going to uh, spray some more thoughts at you. Yeah, we'll, we'll finish busting you motherfuckers out um <laughs> roll short bus debate club at yahoo.com see ya